You're listening to Guitars and Granola Bars, episode 37. Thank you so much for joining me here on Guitars and Granola Bars, Music Therapist Talk Motherhood. I'm your host, Rachel Rambach, and this podcast is for music therapists and anyone else balancing a passion-fueled career with being a mom. This podcast is sponsored by Music Teachers Helper, the best way to manage your private music lesson studio and or music therapy practice. I've used Music Teachers Helper every single day since 2011, and it is one of the best tools I have to keep my private practice running smoothly. Music Teachers Helper is online scheduling and billing software, which you can access from your computer, laptop, tablet, and smartphone, and saves you hours every month, enables you to generate reports for taxes, and ensures you never lose track of a payment. Once you add a student, which is super easy, you can choose to automatically send students custom invoices that can be paid by credit card if you make that an option. Automatically email lesson and session reminders, late payment notifications, notes, and so much more. So many amazing features, I can't even list them all here. Every user also receives a free, easy-to-build website template to help market your studio or private practice. Ditch the costly web designer or programmers and have complete control over your website content. With dozens of professional templates available, you'll be sure to find one that best expresses your style. Whether you have five or 50 students, Music Teachers Helper works with studios and practices of all sizes. They offer a 30-day no-risk trial where you can test it out to discover how much time you'll be saving. If you use the link in the show notes or go to www.musicteachershelper.com podcast, you'll save 20% off your first month if you choose to sign up after the trial. In this episode, I'm chatting with Megan Riesig. Megan is the co-founder and director of Spectrum Creative Arts, a Rochester, New York-based creative arts center specializing in offering music, art, creative arts therapy, and theater programming to individuals of all ages and abilities. She is also the mother to a precocious three-year-old daughter who is obviously destined to become president one day and is constantly searching for that perfect balance between work and motherhood. Fleeting moments of time are spent planning murder mystery parties and nerding out with her husband and partner in crime. Megan, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Yes, it's my pleasure. So I always like to start with talking a little bit about your background and what led you to become a music therapist. So tell us about that. Sure. Um, My background is I got into music therapy pretty haphazardly, um, which I think is fairly common for music therapists in in my generation. Um, Yeah, I think so. I started out as a piano performance major at Roberts Wesleyan College. Um, I moved up here to Rochester, where I currently live, to to go to college from Pennsylvania. And um, I really wasn't sure what I wanted to do with performance. I loved playing and I loved accompanying. And I graduated fairly quickly. I kind of squeezed everything into three years and then knew that wasn't really where I wanted to end up, but kind of spent a while just doing some studio teaching and uh, playing around town while I kind of figured things out. And as luck would have it, 
I was accompanying, I was the accompanist at a church where the music director was actually the head of the music therapy department at Nazareth College here in Rochester. So um, he, you know, he knew I was, I was kind of looking around for the next step and he talked to me a little bit about music therapy and I, I, I was interested and enrolled in the program kind of um, on a whim now that I think back at, at how long it took me to really think about it. But luckily, you know, when I started to dive into the coursework, I really fell in love with it. Um, so went through, uh, got my master's equivalency at Nazareth, and then uh, was applying for internships really all over, but um, landed on uh, Hochstein, which is where I met Wade Richards, who was my uh, supervisor, internship supervisor at the time, and now one of my partners. Um, and is where I also met Noah Elimelech, now Ferguson, who uh, was my fellow intern at that placement and now my other partner here at Spectrum. That's awesome. And I have to tell you that I, I've probably already told you this before, and I know I've mentioned on the podcast before, but when I was just starting out as a music therapist and I like typed music therapy into Google, Wade Richards and his time for music was the first thing that popped up. (laughs) (laughs) So he was kind of like this music therapy rock star to me. And I remember emailing him like the very, that very uh, first time that I ran across his website and just asked him for advice because I saw that he had written a lot of songs and was doing all the things that I wanted to do eventually. And he was so amazing and so helpful and just welcoming and made me feel like I wasn't this like total newbie, but that I, you know, maybe sort of knew what I was doing. And <laughs> he's been super supportive of me ever since. But all that to say that I think it's awesome that you got to have him as an internship supervisor. And um, I can't imagine what that experience was like because he's he's pretty like go go go. So was yes. he like that during your internship too? Oh yes, I don't think Wade will ever stop. No. <laughs> <laughs> and I, you know, without a doubt, I can credit like. All, you know, all of that, I think, if I could be half the music therapist that Wade is, I, I would count myself as super successful. He just, I have so much admiration for the work that he does and, you know, really credit all of my success to his mentorship and training and friendship. And yeah, he's, he's a really important uh, part of actually both Noah and my life. Yeah. And I didn't realize that you and Noah had been interns together. That's really cool. Yes, it was really funny. You know, we did our internship together. I had stayed at Hochstein for another year and kept working. Um, Noah went on to get her, her uh, master's degree. And we all kind of, we stayed in touch and we, we collaborated professionally. But it wasn't until um, I came back from Portland that really we, we all came together and really worked together again. So that's been that's been really neat. Yeah, and I know we'll get more into that as we go through <laughs> the episode, but I just think that's so cool that all the three of you came full circle like that and sort of came back to where you started your career with, with I know. Wade and Noah. That's so cool. <laughs> it feels very, like, fateful. Yes, you know? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Cool. Okay, well, let's get into talking about um, the path that led you to start your family. So how did that sort of evolve for you? Well, um, accidentally. (laughs) So we, uh, my husband and I, uh, my husband is an arts educator. We actually met, um, when we were, we both went to the same undergrad program and, uh, got married at, after we graduated and around the time where I was thinking about leaving my position at Hochstein, 
he was working as an arts educator in the city and all of the arts programming were, got cut. So he was kind of freed up. I was thinking about making a move and we had really been born and raised on the east coast of New York or Pennsylvania our whole lives. And so we thought, well, this is a great time. Let's just try someplace new and got out a map and thought that Portland looked really appealing and uh, just decided to kind of on a whim go out to the west coast and, and try our luck there. A friend of mine was also moving out there and so we decided to maybe team up and venture into private practice. Um, and immediately, you know, we, we got these really great opportunities out in Portland. Um, I started working for the Children's Cancer Association out there and then took another position as an interim faculty member. So got really busy really quickly out in Portland. And about halfway through the first year we were there, we found out that we were pregnant. And it was a, it was a huge surprise. I mean, we had just moved, you know, I don't even know how far away cross country is, but all the way across the country from our both of our families, uh, you know, we're starting. My position was scheduled to end around my due date. Um, so yeah, it was it was a really big surprise. But what's nice is we kind of missed the whole like debate of like should we or shouldn't we yeah. and when are we ready? Like we bypassed that whole conversation <laughs> and just jumped right into it, which. Apparently is how we do things. So we were we were excited and just kind of rolled with it. And we spent a lot of time talking about, you know, should we continue our journey here in Portland or should we move back? Um, you know, we also really loved New York and then um, we decided to come back because, you know, our families were here. We really loved the community and we felt like, you know, we had done what we wanted to do out there on the West Coast. So um, came back and uh, she was born. August 9th, uh, two weeks later, we um, moved back cross country. <laughs> so you moved with a two-week-old. Yes, yes. We bought a house uh, and did that whole thing. Uh, we like came out for a week when I was pregnant, bought a house, uh, went back to Portland, had the baby, packed up our apartment and moved cross country. And uh, in retrospect, I maybe would not do it that way again, but... Uh, yeah, that's how that's how it was. <laughs> wow, you know that as crazy as that seems, you are actually the third podcast guest that has done something similar, moved across the country or a great distance with a tiny infant. How funny is that? <laughs> yeah, I I feel like you know in the moment you're just really capable of of doing so much more than you know maybe you you think you are. Absolutely, <laughs> um, yeah. So you know if that's if that's what you got to do, then you just make it work. Right. So what was your pregnancy like then knowing that you had this big move coming up and that you were basically going to be uprooting again? And how did you stay focused on the work that you were doing and prepare for your first baby? Well, you know, I almost I, I hate to say this because I know that this is so not the experience that other moms have, a lot of other moms, but I actually had a really easy pregnancy. And I, you know, I didn't get morning sickness. I, um, I felt I, I actually had a ton of energy. It was funny. We um, lived in an apartment complex with all of these walking trails, and I just, just felt really, you know, like I really wanted to get out and move all the time. So I remember my husband and I walking this one trail over and over and over again as we tried to figure out like what we needed to do and what our next steps were. And um, I, I actually had a great pregnancy, which. I feel very, very lucky because there was a lot of other stuff going on. 
and it made it uh, much easier to focus on, you know, wrapping up my faculty position and, you know, focusing on the next move. Um, and it was it was also nice that I was working as a faculty member. My clinical caseload was much lower than it would have been if I was a full-time clinician. So I was able to kind of sit down and take breaks when I needed to. I was supervising a lot. It was a much less active, you know, kind of on my feet role, which I think also really helped. Yeah, I think that's really the ideal situation for a pregnant music therapist because it is not easy being pregnant and leading, you know, groups and working with children and, and anybody really. Yeah, I yeah, I had a hard time playing the guitar. I don't know how like logistically, like that just <laughs> is difficult. It is. Well, and that's why with both my pregnancies, I've switched to the ukulele as it gets closer to the end just cuz yeah, you can't really hold it in front of you anymore. I was to the point where I was literally holding it all the way to my right side. Yes. <laughs> and it's not it's not, you know, ideal for playing that way. No. You know, it's funny. I I also switched to the ukulele and I found that I got really lazy. I would just like rest it on my stomach. Yes, I did the same. And I wasn't thing. pregnant anymore. I, I had a hard time holding on to it. I know. I'm now I'm playing the ukulele and now that I don't have this giant belly, I'm like, oh, I actually have to like hold this up. Darn it. Yeah. Well, that was really helpful. <laughs> it was, yeah. So Okay, so that's really amazing that you had such a healthy pregnancy and that you didn't have those struggles with fatigue and all of that kind of thing because that's, I know, um, usually the norm, like you said. So, yeah, wonderful. Yeah. I was um, lucky. Yeah, so talk us through how things went after you made the move back to the East Coast. Well, so it was it was a bit of a whirlwind. You know, like I said, my faculty position was ending right about the same time as my due date. And Steve was uh, working. He was an instructor for this wilderness survival camp, which was something he fell into that was kind of funny. But his, his job was also ending. So it was in some ways really good timing, but also really scary because we didn't really know what was waiting for us on the East Coast. So part of what I was doing, I knew I wanted to continue doing private practice. I really loved being my own boss. Um, and so part of my prep to move back was to set up Rochester Music Therapy Services and kind of get the ball rolling on at least all of the paperwork and legal legal stuff and website done so I could kind of, you know, at least have some clients lined up when we moved back. So I did that. I did all of the prep work. Um and we moved, you know, we moved in August and then I kind of opened the doors for Rochester Music Therapy Services in September. And what was nice is we were coming back to a community that I had a lot of connections with. So right. it wasn't really hard to kind of put together a super light teaching schedule while I, we were settling in. Um, Steve was able to do some freelance graphic design from home. So he actually... Uh, really was a stay-at-home dad for the first year of Ava's life. Um, actually, first two years, two and a half. Um, and he he loved it. Uh, it was it was really really wonderful. Um, Rochester Music Therapy Services kind of kind of took off a little bit, and I was working a pretty healthy part-time schedule. And um, it was around that time that I was talking with Noah and Wade about you know how life was going and we were collaborating a lot and it was Noah and I that decided, hey, um, what if we merged our two practices 
into something large enough that could warrant us getting a space to work out of. We were both commuting to all of our clients and um, not enjoying the driving as much. And so that was that was all we were looking to do. We we met, uh, we kind of came up with the idea of Spectrum together, um, and kind of started the paperwork. And then um, I, I had picked up a couple hours with Wade, and you know we were talking a lot about his position and what he was wanting. And he was really at a point in his life where he was looking to make a change. And I'll never forget it. We were actually podcasting. Um, and after we wrapped up the podcast, he said, you know, maybe I'll just come work with you guys. <laughs> and, you know, I love Wade. So of course I was like, you can't, you can't say that unless you mean it. Like you can't right. even <laughs> about something like that unless you're serious. And, uh, so he said, no, I, I think I'm, I think you know, he, he thought about it a little bit and we had had a couple drinks. So like I waited until the next morning and then called <laughs> him and said, do you remember that you said this? Um, and so we, we started to really think seriously about what that would look like. I mean, that kind of brought what was a very tiny, tiny vision to a much larger scale with the addition of Wade. Um, and we had also looked at, you know, we were at the time, Noah and I were looking at commercial real estate properties and, uh, you know, had found this space that was just basically, you know, concrete and wire. And, you know, the landlord had offered to do the build out for us. And with the addition of Wade, we were able to make it work. It was a huge, huge space. Um, so we signed the papers and did it and started construction. And uh, now we're now we're here at Spectrum. <laughs> wow. And how big is the space just out of curiosity? Uh, the whole thing is 6,000 square feet. Wow. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's big. Uh, we have 12 employees. Um, I, seven of those employees are music therapists. We have uh, one art therapist, one art instructor, um, front office staff, uh, music teachers. Um, so we, we, we have a pretty large group here. Um, we just celebrated our second year. So we're entering our third year, which is pretty exciting. Um, it's a lot. We kind of uh, really dove into it. It's it's a lot of space and a lot of staff, and uh, but we love it. I mean, it's it's been going really, really well. Well, and I think that speaks a lot to the three of you and your personalities and your work ethic because knowing all three of you personally, I mean, I've always been impressed with the work that you do and just the the entrepreneurialism that the three of you have. And so... I've always kind of kept an eye on everything because the point that you're at right now is where I'd love to be, you know, in a couple of years and um, especially now with having my own space. So that's really yeah. inspiring to hear. And I'm so excited that I got get to kind of hear this whole backstory. So that's <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you. Yeah, it's been really exciting. Um, definitely a lot of work. And it's funny because Ava was really a newborn when the business was born. And so... There's, I've just felt a lot of parallels between having a baby and having a baby business. Yes. <laughs> the uh, developmental stages that go along with that. <laughs> yes. Oh, I can so relate. Yeah. Yes. Taking Mia in her car seat to go over and, you know, fill nail holes and do things around the, the building before we had it painted and all the prep work. Yeah. Yeah, paint some doors and <laughs> right, right. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Like you know, when we first opened our doors, I mean, I just felt like I had to be here 
24 hours a day. Like it just needed constant attention, which is, you know, I think very similar when you have, when you first have a baby, you know, that's all you can think about. And, you know, now we're entering our third year. I feel like I can like take a vacation and like kind of relax a bit. And I I feel the same way, you know, with parenting a three-year-old that now she can like play by herself a little bit. There's some independence and uh, that's nice. That's a good place to be. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So let's back up a little bit because you mentioned that that your business needed a lot of attention, but so did your newborn. And I know that your husband was home with her, but how did you as her mom, how did you kind of um, wrap your head around around giving attention to both these very, very important things in your life and just physically doing it? Um, That's a great question. <laughs> Honestly, I, I could not have done it without Steve. I mean, he, the ability for him to stay at home and kind of, you know, wrap his work schedule around my very random schedule was, I mean, a, just a godsend. Like, I, I don't know how, I don't think it could have happened for me without that. Um, but, you know, that balance is, is really hard. I, I still haven't found a great balance for how to wrap my, you know, brain around caring for both for both things. You know, what was nice when she was little is she could come with me everywhere. Um, you know, she wouldn't really come to me with me to sessions, but in terms of meetings and, um, you know, talking about the space. I mean, she came to like the lease signing, like all of those things she could be a part of because, you know, you just carry them everywhere. Right. Yes. Um, it's actually been more challenging as she's gotten older and gotten more independent. Um, you know, they're, they're just less flexible. They have a little mind of their own. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, there's challenges that, that come with that. Um, I think having, you know, Steve ended up getting another job, uh, a, you know, a full-time job as a video game illustrator. So that for us was a huge point in our lives where we had to be like, well, we have to redivide what this partnership looks like now. Um, so that that was a big challenge for us when he went back to work and how to figure out, you know, parenting and childcare and all of that. Right. Uh, and what full-time. what decisions did you make regarding that? Well, um, I flexed my schedule uh, two days of the week. I'm home a half day, two days of the week. We have a really, really wonderful uh, nanny who's who's a next door neighbor of ours who has uh, two kids. Her daughter's you know very close in age to Ava, so Ava goes there. Um, she just started preschool, so that helps. Um, so we're doing childcare. We're you know Steve has to kind of flex his schedule a little bit on the ends to do pickup. Um, it's very much like putting together a jigsaw puzzle with our lives and our work and, you know, pick up and drop off times and preschool times and daycare times. And, uh, but yeah, we figured it out. Yeah, it is. It's, you are so right about the jigsaw puzzle and I feel that exact same way. And it's, I think even more so for private practice owners and just business owners in general, because our schedules are so random. And I know that, you know, I have my general work schedule as far as clients go, but then you know, I have meetings and I have things that I need to attend to business-wise and that's always changing. So you're constantly reassessing and adapting and it's it can be a challenge for sure. Yes, yes. And it's hard because there's so many things that 
are not scheduled, but like task-based things that yes. have to be done that are, I, I don't know how parents work from home because I, I try to those two days of the week and it's very oh hard. Um, yeah. So like, you know, those things that you have to be sitting down to do, but, um, you know, they're not really scheduled. So where do you find time for those things? And yeah, yeah. Lots of, lots of challenges. Exactly. Exactly. So I know speaking from my own experience, because I have a business partner and she's at a very different point in her life where she doesn't have children. She just got married last year. And so our schedules look very different and our availability is very different. How do you, how do you work that with your partners? And do you find that it's worked to your advantage to not be shouldering everything as, as though, um, you were the only, the only owner of your business? Yes. Um, you know, I think it's, I think it's hard because, you know, I have, I have specific needs as a, as the only parent out of the three of us that way to know I don't have. So, you know, the hard part about that is, you know, sometimes we'll have to schedule like a really random meeting, but you know, I can't, I don't have the flexibility. So the lack of flexibility on my part is a challenge. Um, and so that's something, you know, and we're, we're all, the three of us are all very open um, and really comfortable talking about, you know, different solutions and kind of brainstorming together because partnerships are not an easy thing. You have to be really open about dialoguing with one another about what's working and what's not and kind of leave personal feelings, you know, to the side. Um, and I, I, I really value that. Noah and Wade, we do that really well. It's, it's a good partnership. So I'm, I'm really comfortable, you know, talking about like what's working, what's not. But I also, I, you know, I don't, I want to make sure that, um, you know, the fact that I'm not as flexible does not in any way hinder our moving forward. Um, so, you know, that, that's a challenge that we're, that we're navigating. I really appreciate you sharing that because I also have that same kind of just struggle in my mind, I suppose, where, you know, I do have special, you know, considerations being a parent and having not that same flexibility. And I don't want to take advantage of that. And the fact that, you know, Katie may have a more flexible schedule than me at times. And um, so I, I really agree with you that just being open and being able to talk about it honestly and figure out solutions is so important because yes, partnerships are complicated and they can be tricky at times, but I've found that really it's been one of the best decisions that I've made because I have somebody there with me making decisions and that can take on some of the tasks so that we have a better balance work and life-wise. Yes. And I feel really lucky because Wade and I and Noah are all very similar in terms of our work ethic and drive. Um, you know, there's never, ever a question of, you know, is somebody pulling their weight or not? We're just all very personally driven. Um, but we all are really different in how we work. So I am not what you would call a detail-oriented person, um, which, you know, in some ways means I can think about big picture things really easily. But Noah, on the other hand, is great with organizational details. And so working with her, we, we fill each other's gaps really, really well. Um, so I think it's important to have that partnership because nobody can be everything, you Absolutely. know, especially when it comes to business ownership. 
Right. Yeah. Katie and I talk about that and we joke all the time that our, that our drive is the same. We're at the same level because we are so, so, so passionate about our work and our business, but we have very different strengths. It really just works. And it's again, like to bring that puzzle, um, analogy back, it's like fitting together pieces of a puzzle to see where everybody works together and how you can, you know, take care of everything, but work to your own strengths. Absolutely. Yeah. It also helps that way to know I really love Ava too. Oh, yeah, so, that's always good too. <laughs> you know, they, you know, if I if I'm like, oh no, Ava's sick, I can't come. You know, it's it's a not not a huge deal. Or yeah. if I have to bring her to a meeting, you know, we don't get a whole lot done, but <laughs> we're a bad thing. Absolutely, yeah. It's funny because anytime we have to do something out of our ordinary schedule, Katie's like, oh, bring Parker, bring Mia, or. Um, you know, Chad, who's her husband, who loves, loves, loves kids, she's <laughs> like, oh, Chad will, will hang out with them. That's fine. Yes. Yes. No, always volunteers her husband. John. Yeah. I love what? it. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit more about um, you working clinically as a music therapist. How, how much would you say that you work um, in the clinic? So I try to maintain a caseload of about 15 hours of clinical contact hours. Um, it fluctuates based on, you know, my availability and client availability, um, but it's anywhere from like 10 to 15 contact hours. And then the rest of my time is dedicated towards, you know, business. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And do you feel like you've made changes as far as how you approach practicing music therapy since becoming a mom? Uh, yeah, uh, maybe not in terms of my overall approach or methodology, but, um, I, and maybe part of this was just being really young, but when I first started as a music therapist, I feel like I kind of approached it really arrogantly where I felt like I was the expert on this client. And, you know, now I just have so much more respect for how the, the parent plays into the dynamic. You know, I know that I'm seeing this client maybe once or twice a week and this parent knows their child inside and out. And so I just, I, I feel like being a parent myself gave me so much more respect for that relationship and the parents' knowledge. You know, I, I never, I, you know, I, I feel like I always knew that, but I, I feel like I kind of take it way more seriously now as a clinician where um, I will, I will do a lot more information gather, gathering from the parent as part of my assessment process um, than I think I did early on. Um it's funny. I've noticed. Uh, I've I've noticed just some like interesting things where I will kind of snap into mom mode, and I'm like, wait, I'm not their, I'm not their mother. I'm their music therapist. Right, right. Like this one time, I had a client who was having trouble like zipping up their jacket, and automatically I was like, oh, I'll I'll just zip it up for you. And I was like, oh my goodness, what are you doing? Like you can't do that. You're not their mom. Um. So yeah, it's been it's been really interesting to to to, I don't know, navigate that. It is. Yeah. I think that's a natural reaction that we just have is to take over, you know, those maternal instincts and, and jump in and do those things. And I found myself (laughs) doing the same things and it's, yeah, you have to hold yourself back and you really have to like, remember, okay, there's definitely that line between, you know, what the parent will do and what you do as a music therapist. So I know we've touched on some of the challenges that come with being a business owner and a music therapist and a mom. Are there any others that you've come across? Um, I think, 
I think the boundaries are really important. Um, <clears throat> you know, it's so tempting when you're a business owner, you know, work never stops. It's not like a nine to five where you go home and you just kind of leave it there. Um, your email is always waiting. Everything is important. Um, there's always more that you could and should be doing to grow your business. And yet, you know, as a parent, you have to carve that time out for your family. And it has, you, you, can't, you can't do that all the time. So for me, I think the hardest thing is keeping that boundary in place um, and making sure that I'm not constantly glued to my phone when I'm with my daughter or that I'm not um, thinking about work or like thinking about this meeting that's coming up or that I'm, I'm really present as a parent. And I think that idea of being present is so important. Um, so yeah, I think that's something that I'm always really conscious of. And, you know, sometimes I do better than others, but, um, yeah, that's, I think that's kind of the current ongoing challenge for me of being both a mom and a business owner is how to be fully present for both things. I agree. And I feel the exact same way that it's, it's really hard. And I, there's never a time where I can put one completely out of my mind and just focused on the other. Um, right. So it's constantly like this pull and this tug where, you know, maybe the business gets a little bit more of my attention, but in the back of my head, I'm always thinking, okay, you know, how's Mia doing at home with the sitter? Is she taking her bottle? Is, you know, everything okay? And, you know, you just have to sort of like just kind of teach yourself as you go to be able to focus as much as possible on the moment that you're in at that point in time. And it's not easy. Yeah, I think in some ways, you know, I've talked to Steve a lot because, you know, he was a stay-at-home dad and he went back to work and um, he doesn't seem to have as much guilt as I tend to have about missing things. And I don't know if it's a gender thing or if it's something that, you know, moms are taught, but um, one of I always try and kind of I, I think about that idea a lot and I always catch myself feeling really guilty for working as much as I do or for missing as much as I do. And, you know, in some ways I, I'm really proud of what I do and I'm really proud of the fact that Ava can see her mother doing this and to set an example that she can do what she's passionate about when she grows up. And I always have to remind myself of that, that I'm, I'm kind of leading by example and I'm leading a life that I want her to have. Um, but yeah, the mom guilt thing is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's ongoing. And I will have to say, I, I do think it's a gender thing because my husband is the same way. He does not have it. And, you know, it must be nice. <laughs> That's all I can say about I know. that. <laughs> must be nice. Yeah, I, I I actually I really try and and stop it because I I don't think there's any reasons for moms to feel guilty about working or the choice to stay home. I think I think that I think that's something that we've been taught to feel, and right. I don't think it's necessary. But I think it's very hard to turn it off when it happens. It is exactly. Yeah, I agree. So you mentioned that that having Ava see you build this business and do what you love is really fulfilling for you? Are there some other aspects of being a working mom that you find to be really fulfilling? I mean, I, I get to spend my day like doing the most random <laughs> things, uh, not the least of which is, you know, make music all day or 
you know, we just produced an original musical based on the book, The Rainbow Fish, that was written and directed by one of our employees. And so, yeah, that, that to me, to be able to bring these huge artistic, you know, projects and visions to life is just totally, totally satisfying. Um, and the fact that I get to just do that on a daily basis is, is just really, really cool. Um, I, I love what I do and I love the ability to kind of propel these projects forward. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that for me is, is I think one of the most exciting things about, about doing this kind of work. I agree. Yeah. It's, it's just one of those jobs where I know for me, I have to pinch myself every day that, you know, I'm, when I'm leaving my kids, I'm leaving to go do this amazing work that I feel so fueled by and so fulfilled doing that it's, you know, yes, I do have that guilt because I'm constantly working, but at the same time, I'm enjoying it so much that it makes it, you know, worth it that I'm spending that time apart. Yes. And I think that's the important piece. You know, I want, I really want Ava to do what she loves to do. And I want to, I want that to be the example. You know, I want her to, to realize that she can spend the rest of her life being super, super fulfilled by what she does, whatever, whatever that ends up being. Right now, she wants to be a ballerina, <laughs> which I'm less than thrilled about. Right. Yeah. We'll see what happens in a few years. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I mean, that, so for me, that's, it's really exciting and it's really important that she sees that this is something that, that makes us happy. And, you know, Steve's really lucky in that he's doing the same thing. He's doing a job that he really loves. Um, so Goodness knows if she ends up doing like math or engineering, we're just screwed. Like, right. <laughs> Hopefully that won't be the case. Yeah. Uh, you know, who knows? Right. We'll just lovingly support and not know what she's doing. Right. Well, I know that you're so busy between everything that you're doing with work and with raising Ava, but how do you find time to care for yourself and what are some of your favorite types of self-care? Yeah, that, uh, that is hard. <laughs> um, but I, you know, on, lately I started doing a lot more um, music, you know, kind of group music playing with um, other musicians that really challenged me. And that has been really exciting. I, and I, and I, didn't, I really got away from that and I forgot how much I got away from that. But I'm part of a couple groups um, and that has been just really, really um, inspiring. It's helped me creatively just to kind of go through that process and be a musician and kind of explore that piece again. Um, so for me, that, that's been a big part of my self-care in the past year. Um, I really love baking and cooking. I used to have this like little cooking blog. I don't do it anymore. But um, so... You know, a lot of times on the weekends, like, we'll, I'll just kind of try out really fun new recipes that I've been wanting to do, or we'll host, you know, brunch or dinner parties, and we really love doing that. Um, yeah, just really carving out that time. I'm a huge reader, um, so I really made it a point, uh, I think it was two years ago, to stop reading books on my phone, because I, I realized that I was looking at my phone all the time, and even though I was doing something healthy, like reading a book on my phone, Ava was just seeing me look at my phone. And so I started going to the library again, and I 
that that is, I think, maybe one of the biggest things I do for self-care is I, I read a lot. And it's all very, very random, but I, I really love to read. Yeah, that's great. And I love that you said that you went back to books, traditional books, and yeah, got away like from the – Yeah, <laughs> I love that because I that's something that I worry about all the time. Um, I try as much as I can to put down my phone when I'm around my kids. And my husband, he doesn't try quite as hard as I do. But, <laughs> you know, we, yeah. we yeah. constantly, you know, try to make an effort because we don't want to – show them that that's what grownups do is they just look at their phone all the time. So, Right. And, you know, like between, you know, everything's on there. Right. Exactly. And that's the problem is that, yes, you are doing work and you're doing things that are productive, but it's all right there on that same device. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, there's, there's other ways. So I, I actually kind of went back to good old pen and paper for to-do lists and back to the library for real books. I've, I've been really trying to stay away from the phone kind of when I'm around her just so she doesn't see it all the time. Right. Um, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what kind of advice would you give to fellow music therapists, especially those that are business owners and that um, are moms as well? I would, I would say that, you know, I, I think – the biggest thing that I've learned in doing Spectrum is that you can you can do it. You know, I, I think a lot of people are really afraid of what they don't know when it comes to trying new things or taking on new ventures or, um, you know, trying something that maybe seems intimidating. But, you know, you absolutely don't know, have to know everything. Uh, I think that's true for motherhood, too. Like, but you can you can do it. There there's resources out there, um, and you yourself will figure it out. Um, I think the best thing is just to kind of start. Um, and I know that's certainly been true. I, I certainly didn't have a clue what I was getting into when we started Spectrum or when I became a mom. And you learn as you go. And I think it was all very. Uh, it was all it all ended up being really doable. And there were definitely moments that. Uh, threw me for a loop or where I didn't know what to do or I needed to reach out for support. But, you know, in the end, you kind of figure it out as you go. So I think the important part is just, you know, just kind of s- jump in. Yeah, I think that's wonderful advice. And also just to build on that is to remember that, like you said, there is no manual and nobody had a manual when they started. <laughs> so you look at somebody like like you and you see, oh, wow, well, Megan, you know, has this has this giant practice that's so successful and is raising a three-year-old and you know like she obviously has her stuff together like (laughs) you started from ground zero just like everybody else does so it's like you said it's so important to just start and you'll you'll find your path and you'll make it work one way or the other yeah yeah I I'm a really firm believer in that and I think people are really capable of amazing things um and, you know, I, I see that in the people that work here. I mean, just the projects that they come up with. And, um, yeah, I and I, I'm excited to, like, move those projects forward. Um, yeah, just just jump in and do it. Well, <laughs> I, I love following Spectrum and all the work that you guys are doing. And it's all so inspiring. And it's always so beautiful. Your website is gorgeous. And all of your graphics are always so so appealing. So, Oh, thank yeah, you. Yeah. You know, that, 
honestly, that's been a big part of self-care. I just really love doing that stuff. <laughs> Me too. Um, yeah, isn't it? It's like super satisfying. It is. Just like watch TV. And oh, like, I know. Well, that's the great thing is that's something you can do just like when you're hanging out and like at night when you don't have to have a whole lot of brain power left. Yeah. It's just all – it's like visual design, which is really fun. And yeah. then – um, you know, Steve actually helps me quite a lot because um, I refuse to learn anything in Photoshop. So he <laughs> will, he does that. Yeah, it's Pig Monkey all the way. Like oh, that's. for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, thank you. I, yeah. I'm really proud of, you know, the brand that we've built and, you know, the the appearance of, of our of our stuff. We worked really hard on that. Yeah, and it shows. It's really beautiful. And we'll put links to your website and all of your different um accounts and things like that. Oh, I think Yeah, absolutely. I do have one last question and that is, do you have any projects or news that you'd like to share? Oh gosh. Uh, you know, <laughs> no, really. <laughs> this is like the first time I'm not like, I know you, it seems like you always <laughs> have something going on. Um, I guess the biggest one would be, um, our production of rainbow fish. Um, which uh, we, we had gotten the rights from the publisher to, to do this musical. Um, it was written and directed by one of our employees in Spectrum. Uh, we just brought on a brand new theater department. Um, and so this was kind of the project that kind of launched the department. Um, but now we're, we're in the middle of taking it on a tour. We're touring around to schools. and oh, that's so fun. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's a it's been a huge hit. We uh, did it at the Fringe Festival um, this year. We just wrapped it up, and it got it was very very well received. So that's kind of the big project for Spectrum. You know, kind of taking Rainbow Fish on tour and um, venturing into production, which is is new for me. I kind of acted as the lead producer, um, which that was a role that I've never done. I didn't even know what like a producer did actually. Um, I still don't know if I know what what all goes into. Um, but yeah, that was that was really exciting. Um, we started a new vocal group, uh, Rochester Vox. Um, so that's been uh, that kind of happened the same time as Rainbow Fish. So in terms of locally, that's that's what we're working on. I know Noah and Wade and I have been working really hard to get another resource site up and going. Um, and, you know, someday we'll do that. <laughs> someday. Probably not, not in the future, but, yeah, someday. Well, we'll keep our eyes out for it. Great. Great. Awesome. Well, Megan, thank you so much for being on the show. I've so enjoyed kind of having this little backstage pass into all the amazing work that you're doing and your insight as a mom as well. Oh, thank you so much. It's always good to talk with you. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to send Megan a message, you can contact her via her website, spectrumcreativearts.org, on Twitter at Meg Resig, R-E-S-I-G, her Facebook page, Spectrum Creative Arts, or email Megan at spectrumcreativearts.org. Would you like to be a guest on the show? Let me know. Get in touch and find show notes for this episode at guitarsandgranolabars.com. And I would so appreciate if you would take just a minute to rate and review the show on iTunes so that it reaches even more listeners. You can also find Guitars and Granola Bars on Facebook. I'll talk to you again next week.